This episode of Building Barrels is brought to you by the winds of Barbados. Please excuse their continued interruptions. Welcome. Thanks for dropping in to Building Barrels, where we explore the technology, planning, and development of adventure centers using man-made waves to spread stoke of surfing. My name is Michael and I'd like you to join me in learning everything we can about surf park development and together we can build barrels in our hometown. Alright so once again this is a continuation of the recap from the Surf Park Summit 2020. And in this episode, we're gonna cover how to finance your surf park. And this didn't really end up being much of a how-to, more so tips and what you need to bring to the table in terms of getting an investor to jump on board with you. Now we are going to cover kind of a case study of urban surf uh, because I was able to pull a lot of information on how Andrew Ross put together his capital for developing urban surf. So we're gonna have a little case study at the end. I've kind of pulled all of those little nuggets out of it and put it all together in a format that is the closest thing to a how-to that I really got out of this. Now, speaking of Andrew Ross with Urban Surf, he was one of the panelists. The others were Dave Likens with Beach Street Development. He's working on Desert Surf, I believe. And Sebastian Smith with Store Capital. And Andrew Limbacher with EPR Properties. Now, before we really dive into the meat of the subject, I just want to talk about a term that you're going to hear a lot during this which is called the capital stack and if you're not familiar with what a capital stack is it's a variety of funds that you're going to bring together to take your surf park vision into reality to actually get it up off the ground and built it's the, all the money that's behind it now this money can take a variety of forms which is why it's called the stack because there's different kinds of it this could be equity capital the seed capital that you might put together from friends or family, or if you already have it in place, or you've got an investment company already, or a development company already. It's the equity capital that you use to get started from the very beginning. Now, the equity capital portion of your capital stack should be from a range of sources, and this equity capital should be raised before going to outside institutions or investors. And this is gonna help you get through the early stage due diligence process of getting your land entitlements and pre-development. This is important because it helps legitimize your project and helps make it investable before going to other investors. So you really need to have the capital up front to start the business. Then there might be some investor or institutional capital involved. or You might get a loan or use a debt broker to help finance it. Or your capital stack might include public funds as discussed in the public-private partnership segment of this series. And there might be some other potential ways to fill out your capital stack, but those are the general sources for your capital stack. Now, it's very hard to put your capital stack together. It's going to cost a lot of money to get your development to the point of being able to get an institutional investor. 
So how much equity needs to be raised to fill out that portion of the capital stack? Well, that's going to depend a lot on what kind of business model that you're going to use and the construction costs that are going to be associated with it. And even though there's a couple surf parks running already, it's still considered very new and unproven. Uh, you've got unproven business models. Covering a couple of those, we've covered it in some of the other segments that we've done, but just uh, to revisit it because they covered it in this session. The day use model, it's valuable in certain geographies and in areas with high tourism profiles and a high concentration of tourism or an active surf community. And the day use model is people come in and use it for the day and they leave or use it for an hour and they leave. You know, whatever it is, it's, it's only a, a trip to your surf park and they're gone. And one of one thing that impacts this is having tw like your access to weather, what, how it's seasonal. And being in an area with having a 12 month access to weather, that's, that will help with the day use model. And then there's also the model of being food and beverage heavy uh, or retail heavy, you know, having your surf park as an anchor, but then having an expanded retail offering with, uh, or maybe even having co-working spaces. And then there's the residential model, uh, having your surf lagoon as the central amenity feature with residential lots or condos around it. It's kind of like the modern version of a golf course resort. And then finally, you've got a, the model of being a, vacation spot, a surf park resort serving visitors. with They, they come there and they're going to vacation at your luxury surf park resort. So that's just a recap of some of the different kind of models that you might use. And when approaching these different models and trying to uh, sort out uh, how much capital you're going to be needing to use, you really need to have an upfront sober appreciation of the risks and challenges that are going to be associated with your development. It's easy to overlook some of the key fundamentals through the process, especially getting the due diligence performed. You need to go through the design process and get quotes on your construction costs. You're going to need to look closely at the wave technology that you're going to use and perform some extensive due diligence around the operating parameters because what's going to happen is the objectives of the tech providers that you might be talking to are going to be different than your surf park. All they're trying to do is sell you their technology. You've got to sell the technology to the investors and the public. So their objectives are different than yours. And so what's going to happen is you're going to need to own the answers given to you by your wave tech provider. Most of the technology out there is unproven. The investors are going to have lots of questions and they're not going to go to them. They're going to come to you for the answers. And so you have to be really solid that you have the answers for them when they are when they do ask. You're going to need to know the number of surfers for each wave type and what kind of frequency that is feasible for those wave types. Three to six hundred waves per hour might work on one wave type, but it might not work on another. And so you really need to know what that is. You're also going to want to look at the operating performance of the wave tech and the maintenance requirements, as well as the reliability of the equipment. During due diligence and putting together your financial forecast, you're going to need to be looking at the rates to charge and potential occupancy. The experiential environment that surf parks bring is going to lead to other potential incomes like from food and beverage, from retail, or some other revenue sources. But it's real important to explore 
the rates being charged at the door to surf. And because the surfing throughput or the number of customers that you can get going through your pool on any given hour, it's really constrained. And so the constrained throughput makes pricing very important. And so you really need to maximize your revenues. And the question was brought up is, are current surf prices too low? The ones that are actually operating right now, is the pricing too low? Uh, and in order to figure that out, you have to look at who is your target demographic and how much can they spend. It's good to be conservative, but you also don't want to leave money on the table. And if you're not using dynamic pricing, you might be shorting yourself. And it was brought up that Urban Surf was really heavily booked when they opened up and they were super slammed and they were booked out for a long period of time and it was questioned as to whether or not they may have been priced too low. Andrew Ross conceded maybe that they may have been priced too low but he did a lot of research. A lot of research went into his pricing as well as market surveys and focus groups so who knows but how are you going to validate your pricing model. You can try to use comps, but this may be difficult because it's a new industry and there's just not a lot of information out there yet. There's not a lot of data out there to support financial models. So it's pretty difficult to put your model together to support your business case. And there's no real existing market right now. And because of that, there are no certainty of cash flows and there are no comps that investors or debt brokers, banks can use to support your business case. You can look to some other industries, ski resorts, top golf, which was mentioned a couple times. They may work for some investors, but they may not be admissible for others. And so trying to use comps can help but what you really need to do is just show that your model has had some significant thought put into it ultimately it was posited that if you double your costs and half your wave count if your financial model still works you're doing good sounds a little over the top to me but I'm not in these guys shoes it was mentioned that there are pitfalls of approaching an investor too soon but the only one that I got out of it was that if you don't have enough equity involved, they're simply not gonna look at your project. And it was mentioned that you gotta be in it for $7 million, and once you're there, that's when you go to institutional capital. But once again, that seems pretty over the top. Maybe that's right. Again, I'm not in their shoes, but that's a lot of money. But most importantly, you need to have enough cash to at least get through the pre-development stage. You need to have done the work, you need to understand the entitlements, you need to understand the tech, you need to have a contractor quote on how much it's gonna to cost to construct your development, you need to have, have your engineering done, you need the soil guys, you need to have done all this due diligence to make sure that your project is gonna be off to a good start. But most importantly during this process, don't torch your investor capital. Now getting into the potential investors or financers of your surf park, uh, the question was raised, are they looking at your business model or are they looking at you know, the people involved? And it was determined that both were important, but judging by what the majority of the talk was about, it seemed like one was more important than the other. All that they discussed about the people involved was that passion was important, they have to have a 
high level of sophistication. They've run the numbers, they have the surveys and the studies, and that the financial model is key. That was all they talked about people. Everything else was financial model and due diligence and capital stack. Now they did talk about the debt market, meaning getting financing. They said that debt markets need a certainty of cash flow. And so they're a little bit worried about the, the industry just because it's so new. They look for well-capitalized businesses to invest in. And in addition, they also want to see other revenues in the business model. They need to make sure that it's gonna cash flow. It was also noted that a real estate investment trust won't go into investing in a surf park by themselves. They want someone else going in it with them. And it was also mentioned, how are you gonna mitigate the risk? And because it's such a, a risky venture, there's not enough information out there, not enough data to support your business model, that they're gonna be looking for double digit returns on their investment. And I've, I've heard that before, and that's you know what I've been planning on. But the return needs to be in the high teens. The IRR needs to be high. It needs, again, the high teens or even higher. All of this dictates which projects can get financed. There needs to be a significant amount of earning power to justify the cost of capital. Now, regarding what you're going to need to go to an investor or debt broker, financer or whatnot, once again, you need to have the capital upfront to start the business. You need to approach the process in a sophisticated fashion and you need to be honest about the risks associated with it. You also need to have done all the grunt work. You need to have done the studies. You need to have raised equity. You need to have proving models supporting your business case. And you also need to have data proving customer demand. You need to have your site plans in order, your renderings and your consumer reports. Now, all of this is information that you're likely going to have to have when you're going to an investor or debt broker. Uh, but you need to have this information in a format that they typically consume. It needs to be a, a detailed information memorandum. You need to have detailed financials uh, in a due diligence data room. You need to have all your docs in order, all your contracts, and a fully-fledged team. And when first approaching somebody, it was mentioned that you need to have three bullet points on the front page. You need to have your resume, your business plan and financial model, as well as your access to equity, maybe even additional equity. Now, one of the side notes in the conversation was about coronavirus and how Urban Surf was closed because the health department wasn't really sure what kind of impact COVID was going to be, so they shut it down. And surf parks get lumped into aquatic centers and the water park in industry. And Andrew Ross, he said that it was probably an overreaction, but it was understandable. But that leads to what are the long-term effects of COVID going to be on surf parks. And it was determined that it's all about your demographics. If your customer is the adventurous type and you have an outdoor experience like surf parks do, they're not seeing much change. And it was also mentioned that these type of experiences, something healthy outdoors, these need to be invested in. However, the coronavirus does cause a new layer of underwriting for financiers, and it's even caused a bit of a pause in investments. Currently, investors are trying to catch up rather than invest in new things. But they, they said that they're seeing a good bounce back on this, and long term, the surf park space won't be hurt a lot. 
institutional investors may be a little hesitant short term again, but long term everything looks good. A couple other quick side notes is they discussed uh, Top Golf a couple times and how Top Golf created a low barrier to entry regarding golfing, and surf parks can do the same. It was also noted that new surf park announcements were popping up all the time uh, and that these projects simply aren't getting done. From my perspective and for my surf park, it's a matter of money. But from their perspective, it was just people coming up with an idea, oh, let's have a surf park without really having a fully vetted business. It's not the case with me, but I just need money. Anyway, let's get into the urban surf case study. So. Andrew Ross, he did not go into it with a let's build it and see if they will come kind of attitude. He put a ton of due diligence into Urban Surf. He did a lot of due diligence and a lot of land entitlements. He assembled a, a portfolio of assets that were investable and it took him three years to get these assets ready to be invested in. And I think that there were three sites for Urban Surf and it also took him four million Aussie dollars. One thing to note, he had a or he has had a 20 year relationship with his wave tech provider which is wave garden one of the first things that he did during that relationship was securing those wave tech rights for australia then afterwards he did significant due diligence as i mentioned before he made reasoned assumptions on his data from other industries he went through the entire design process and got reliable construction numbers and from that he was able to figure out the costs of developing the surf park, but it was difficult to determine the revenues. He did some extensive research in figuring out how many guests he might be able to have, and a lot of research went into the pricing like we discussed earlier through market surveys and focus groups. But again, because Urban Surf was so heavily booked in the beginning, he did concede that maybe he priced it a little bit too low. From that, he developed a sophisticated financial model. He engaged consultants from Delawit to perform uh, forensic audits of his financial model and demonstrate the mechanical and numerical performance of his model and also assess the data to support his assumptions. And ultimately his investors took a lot of comfort in this. Now, once all his due diligence was completed and he had secured the entitlements for land, that's when he started looking for outside capital. He ended up raising equity because the debt markets weren't available because as mentioned before, they need to have a certainty of cash flow and he couldn't provide that because it was such a new venture. One thing Andrew also did is he had on his management team, a guy exclusively devoted to raising capital. Apparently that was what I inferred from the discussion. And th this guy went out looking for money and he was gone for months on end apparently. But ultimately, Urban Surf approached 100 different capital sources, and it took them a year to raise the needed capital. And one thing Andrew did is he had a don't tell me, show me kind of philosophy. And so he took his investors to Spain to actually experience the waves themselves. Now, I wasn't quite sure if this was during his seed round, like, you know, the initial equity capital that he used to get everything moving or if this was a later his institutional investors that he took to Spain. I wasn't really clear on that. But that's it for the case study. And one interesting last thing to note about Andrew is that he is now also with Aventure, an investment group who is working exclusively with surf parks. So if you're looking for capital, you might want to reach out to Andrew, but make sure you have your ducks in a row. And sometime soon, I'm going to be reaching out to him. So that's it for this recap of Surf Park Summit 
on how to finance your surf park. If you like this information, if you found it helpful, please like it, share it, comment, and follow my channel. Or if you'd like to join a surf park mastermind group, click the link in the description below and I'll be in touch. And together, we can build barrels all over the world. Thanks again for dropping in. I'm kicking out. See ya.